you think your ducks are so in a row, you've got room to take, to like look across the street and try to write the ducks on the other side? No, you don't. Clean your own damn house. Welcome to The Dismantle, creating community, not converts. Welcome to Dismantle Podcast, a place for community, not converts. I'm your host, Joey. On this show, we attempt to dismantle an issue that poses as problematic for the church by having a discussion with a guest who has insight or experience with that subject. Now, we are not always going to agree, and that's okay, but we're not going to argue because our goal is to build bridges and not barriers. And our guest today is Justin McRoberts. Justin, welcome to the show. It is great to be back. Thanks for having me. I'm glad you're back. Third time's a charm, man. <laughs> Let's hope. Let's hope. So if our listeners are not familiar with you, if they're not familiar with your other two episodes, give us a little bit about where you are in the world and some of the work you do. Yeah. So I live in a town called Martinez, California, which is uh, just east of Oakland, which is just east of San Francisco. Um, I write books. I coach uh, artists and ministers, uh, and I run a podcast called the at sea podcast with Justin McRoberts. Love it. And we can't promote that enough. I listen to it every time you post. Thanks man. Such good stuff. That being the case today, we're discussing this idea of renewal of religious culture and leadership. And I don't think it's any surprise that our culture dictates the direction of where we go as people, yeah. uh, things like morality, our values, even sexuality to an extent. Yeah. Uh, but I also think it has something to do with our faith. So before we dive into that, uh, Justin, when we say renewal of religious culture and leadership, those are all great words. They're nice, big, long $5 words. But what do we mean when we say that? Well, what I mean, um, I'll start with uh, religious, um, is like any sense of of the something else, like whether that is like, uh, it's kind of not receiving the world just as it is and not just as it was and not just as it will be, but in mass, like to see the world uh, and myself in the divine context is religious. To, to think that there is something more in almost any way, shape or form than not just like what is material, but also to consider what is possible, consider what is alterable, is to think religiously and then to turn that into a, a life pattern, to actually design my life around behaviors and practices that consider the history, the future, the possibility and this and the something else-ness of the people and the situations around me that I think that's what religious is culture is <laughs> the particular set of practices uh, sometimes beliefs but usually it's a certain the, the practices and experiences that bind together a particular group of people so it's culture is never a monolith culture is always uh, a matter of relationship and choice and alignment so it's the, the practices and the experiences of a particular people in a particular place at a particular time is a culture. Um, and then, <laughs> you know, uh, the, the rest of it, renewal, uh, man, everything is constantly in transition. Um, there, there, we, there isn't really, when we talk about static experiences, I think that's just being stuck in my own head. I think everything is in a constant state of, uh, transition and evolution and renewal usually has more to do with actively participating in the slow becoming of whatever circumstances I find myself in. And it's interesting because, you know, if these, you know, going back to culture, if these are things that are determined 
you know, throughout time, a set of practices, some what belief, what then determines that? Is that just from our traditions? Is it just handed down from family? Like what are, what are some of the aspects that go into that? Power, leadership, that's kind of it. So someone decides, sometimes it's a few people, they decide how things are going to play out. It's always it. So we can blame it on tradition and we can point at tradition. But even in the context of tradition, whatever tradition I belong to, I still have the responsibility to evil, to eve either um, act and behave according to what I've seen before me and to, to be like, a, like an arbiter of and a propagator of the tradition, which is to say these people who are in power made these decisions. And because those people in power made those decisions, I, who am now in power, will make those same decisions. I'm still the person in power and I'm still calling the shots. It's always, 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 and always a question of power and leadership. So the thing that galvanizes culture, the thing that actually forms church cultures is that people who take or assume or function in power make decisions about how the rest of us will lead. And then us, we get to in power, choose to align ourselves with that or not. It is always, always, always a matter of power and leadership every time. And that's not just within politics. It's not just within organized functions and things like that. We see that within the church too. Yes. Yeah. And, and in those moments when, when we like the, the, the larger moment we're in now where it seems like we've come to like the end of a particular tradition, whether it was specifically like white Western evangelicalism, um, part of what that really, part of what we're really seeing is enough people who are actually assuming their own agency and deciding that I don't want this to work this way. This doesn't actually work for me, my life and the people that I care for and the desire to make something new. Yeah. And when we say religious culture, we're not just talking about watching the left behind series over and over again. We're not just talking about adventures and odyssey. We're not talking about things that we see within entertainment. We're talking about more of what you were just saying, that white evangelicalism, that conservative, uh, traditional framework of evangelicalism that has largely quote run the power structure within Christianity in America. And I could say that based on my experience, but also based on my perspective. Is that yes. what we're talking about? Absolutely. And, and mostly because it has been uh, because in the context of Western white evangelicalism, those voices have been louder. So bec- the, namely because of the evangelical angle of it, that it is a public faith. So it's a public faith expression. Evangelicalism is by nature, by design, a public faith expression. It's not the most prominent understanding of the Gospels. It's not the promise, most prominent understanding of, of Jesus. It's certainly not the most prominent understanding of God. It's just the loudest in our context. Um, and so it seems, to run, it seems to run the ship. It doesn't really. Um, but, we, you know, going back to like you know, <laughs> left behind or those, you know, it, those things, uh, those expressions are small. The marketplace for them is small. The reason they seem monolithic is because uh enough of us who have felt out of alignment have kind of just taken our own time and that's fine and lived in our own space and like slowly divorced ourselves from those particular expressions uh and the the time is now where like yours my smaller vision for what it looks like for god to function in the world which is that's religion 
um, actually matters more to the people around me because they don't feel aligned with the big culture. They don't feel with, you know, the big cultural expression. They need something else. They need something small. So talking about renewal of that religious culture, what does that look like? Does that just mean to subvert it or does that mean an actual reformatting of what we understand it to be? It means to take responsibility for the things around you that you can. That's the renewal. The renewal is not like, let's, let's somehow get our hands on the reins of the church establishments or the religious establishments around us, unless that's already your job. Uh, it's really a matter of like, you and I are now responsible for the world directly around us. What do you have on hand? What do you have? Where do you actually have power and influence? Be responsible for that. That's the renewal. That's what this moment is. This moment is not somehow we need to get our hands around the throat of Western white evangelical Christianity and choke it to death so we can make room for what comes next. That's already going to die, and that's not your job. Your job is, the role is, the responsibility, the privilege, the opportunity, the gift is to take responsibility for the things, the power, the people, the opportunities you've got around you. Take your life seriously. That's the renewal. Which... Sounds like a lot of work, if I'm honest. Yeah. Well, it's more work because it's mine. It's, and it's more important because it's mine. And it's more frightening because it's mine. It's actually easier. This is a terrible thing to say. It's easier for most of us to just make it about tearing down the monolithic you know, beast of whatever it is that distracts from the way we want to see God in the world. Totally understand that. For most of us, that's not your job. That's going to be someone else's job. For the most part, the people who will be dismantling Western white evangelical Christianity are Western white evangelical Christians who, whose hands are already in, like, on the levers of power in that place and really actually do want to see God more clearly in their own context. That's their culture. So it's theirs to renew. It's theirs to remake. It's, and if it's not your culture, then it's, that's not yours. Like, divorce yourself from it. But create your own space with your own friends, your own neighbors, your own family, your own podcast, your own Facebook page, your own Twitter feed, your own Instagram feed, like do with what you have on hand, the things you can be most responsible to do. That's the job. Now off the top of my head, it seems a lot like the deconstruction community. Yes. Where people are rising up. They're starting podcasts like this one. Instagram handles like what we have and, and many others, many of our friends, uh, a lot of that content is aimed at the deconstruction, the dismantling, the taking down of those systems. Yes. Do you think that there should be more of a focus on the sort of what you're saying, the personal ownership, less trying to take down the faulty ideas, or is there more of a balance? Um, I think it's so. Um uh, this is not intended to be condescending. I think the, 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 the effort to dismantle the thing is more a matter of the formation of the, of, uh, my culture. So how should I say this? Um, it's kind of like this. So the effort, the, the deconstruction effort over the last 10 to 12 years, uh, has, has, has done only some of the damage that it really wanted to do. And some of the dismantling it really wanted to do. Uh, of the power structures and the power centers of Western white American evangelical Christianity. It's done some, but nowhere near enough of what it hoped to do. Here's what it did do, though. It did strengthen the culture 
around those circles. In other words, we've established ourselves. So if you're a member or a leader in your evangelical, in your, in your deconstruction, uh, if you're a leader in the deconstruction movement, what's mostly happened for us is we've placed our hands against this big, massive thing that we really wanted to like to have an impact on and we only moved it a little bit but over the course of time we ourselves have become stronger it's a little bit like exercise it's like you get in the gym and like you pick that thing up and you pick it up again and you pick it up again and you pick it up again and that thing doesn't change much but you do so over the course of the last 10 to 12 years the thing that has most changed is that there is more leadership there's more clarity there's more of a like not even a centralized but there's just more of like a um like a declared theology, like in, in deconstructive spaces. There's more of a sense of place now in deconstructive and deconstructed places than there was before because we're becoming for something. We're actually creating culture as opposed to dismantling it. Dismantling culture is never the ballgame. It's all because, and this is a, coming from white Western evangelical Christian, um, that, that, that the remedy for bad culture is the creation of new culture. Sometimes we don't get there by just starting a new thing. Sometimes we start by trying to tear down the old thing. And in the process, what we discover is that we are, we are fundamentally creators rather than destroyers. That's the thing that's been happening. So should we continue to aim at the, the monster? By all means, do that. Just know, though, as you do, the most important part of that process is your own becoming because you are making room for people in your own space. Which then sets up the next part of the conversation, which is that leadership aspect. Yes. What does it look like to then take the personal responsibility to, to take that growth and really develop that as you are moving from one faith journey to the next, specifically when it comes to culture? Yeah. So the first thing is, are you healthy? Are you healthy? Like, are you okay? Are you healthy? Do you have, uh, do you have a therapist? Do you have a spiritual director? Are you eating well? And are you sleeping enough? Are you getting exercise? Um, are, are, are your bills being paid? Like, are you, are, are you taking care of your business? Uh, are you in a healthy place as a person? That is like the thing about leadership that has been for the most part, like put on the back burner. Uh, if there has been a dominant thing wrong with, uh, well, no, I don't know if I want to say that exactly. If there has been a thing that has been consistently off about evangelical leadership in the white context, it has been that all things about my health uh, are predicated on a kind of religious utilitarianism. In other words, it, I'm worth what I can affect in the world. My value is predicated on my ability to make things move, as opposed to the reality, which is that I am the gift I am giving every single time. I'm the thing I'm giving away. And so if I'm healthy, I will give away my health. If I am not healthy, and this is what has happened predominantly in, in evangelical spaces that have, have, have become devoid of leadership, is if, if I am not healthy, what I will pass on in the effort to do something good, I will still pass on my, my, my unhealthy patterns. I'll pass on my judgmentalism. I'll pass on my overwork. I'll pass on my anxiety. I'll pass on my lack of capacity for, for people who aren't like me. That's the reason why Western white evangelical culture looks the way it does is we try to do all these things and we, and we try all these programs and all these, you know, 
And in the process, we sacrificed our health as leaders. And what we ended up passing on, because this is what Jesus told us we would do, is we passed ourselves on and we passed on unhealth. We passed on overwork. We passed on anxiety. We passed on protectivism. We passed on nationalism. We passed on all these things we didn't intend on passing on because we forgot that our health fundamentally is the thing we're actually offering the world. So the question about leadership right now is, don't do it the way it was done before. Be healthy, eat right, take care of your body, have a therapist, get a spiritual director, like clear out your relationships with toxic garbage, live small, and then pass on a healthy life. You just said something, and I wanted to come back to it. Forget what it was, though. Okay. It'll come back. No, it won't. I'll keep moving on. (laughs) So... You know, then culture speaks into the leadership model that we have, right? We have all these summits specifically in the church about, well, this is leadership and this is leadership and come out here and do what we're doing. And now we're creating this culture of leadership that just repeats, you know, rinse, lather and repeat from the cycle of unhealth from where we came from. Yeah. And again, the part, if, if we get to bear witness, anything in this particular moment is like what it's not the themes, it's not the theology. Watch me now. It's not, it's, it hasn't been the themes uh, or the, the sermon series or like the smallness of theology in these contexts. It has been the lack of focus on like actual personal development and health. These are people who are just aren't healthy. Um, and so we can have a summit and we can get the themes right and we get the theology right and get the text right. But we're just, it's still people who aren't healthy in their own space and their own bodies. a lot of leaders in this sphere whether it's you know both sides of the aisle it really doesn't matter uh republican democrat conservative progressive wherever it is leaders just usually speak against culture to their comfort level right like it's it's never it's never just the wide swath of oh culture is is bad it's it's the areas where we personally find problematic or challenging and usually there comes this warning to not be of culture. Jesus, you know, we, we, we cherry pick a verse that says to be in the world and not of it. Is that really the best way to speak to culture to just, uh, what's, what's the word to, to throw rocks at it from afar, just to critique it. And, and, you know, I, I can see from your face, the answer is no, <laughs> no, clean up your own damn house. That's it. Like clean your own damn house. Like that's, it's like, if you're a leader in your, in your culture, then clean your own damn house. You really honestly think you think your, you think your ducks are so in a row, you've got room to take, to like look across the street and try to write the ducks on the other side. No, you don't clean your own damn house. Like that's it. Like, no, you don't get to critique someone else's, you don't get to critique someone else's, you can ask questions. And if you're in conversation, you can help lead and guide. You don't get to critique someone else's culture. Clean your own damn house. That's always it. And that goes, by the way, that goes for everybody. Like we can make, you can have a critique of the thing you're leading. Uh, like if you, if, if I lean more progressive, you know, God bless it. Like do the thing. That's fine. But don't tell me that the progressivism by nature is simply pure uh, and, 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 uh, and, and is, is excluded from the necessity and from the, the needed work of like cleaning up the household we're building. 
no, no, no. There's plenty of judgmentalism. There's plenty of, uh, you know, there's plenty of unhealth. There's plenty of like lack of emphasis on like right thinking. Like there's plenty hate. There's plenty stuff in the household we're building right now. Like, yes, have your critique, but don't be so focused on what's wrong over here that you ignore what's not right here. Cause that's what they did. And that's why you left. So don't do it again. Clean your own damn house. It creates a new fundamentalism. We create new fundamental fundamentalisms all the time. Yeah. So on that subject, church people are listening. Church leaders are listening. What's that first step? You know, yes, we can do some self-inventory. We need to do some self-reflection as leaders, not only in these spaces that we find ourselves in, but people who still have a foot in church. Yeah. What's that first rallying point to say, okay, look, this is where we clean the damn house. Yeah. So the two, the two big questions, uh, and these are the questions that Jesus asked people, like, what do you want? Like, what are you actually wanting? Uh, what do you want to see happen here? Like, so get in touch with not just the critique, but where it comes from. So this is wrong. Okay. I get it. This is not right. Totally understand that. What is it that you're wanting to see? which then gets down to the question, what do you actually care about? And you and I have talked about this a bunch. Like you can really actually only actively, fundamentally, effectively care about so many or so much, so many things and so much. So you can only actively, effectively care about so, uh, care so much about so many things. And it's gonna be a smallish list. What do you actually care about? What do you really wanna see happen is like the first step. So if you still have a foot in the door, if you're still part of a church culture, um, a church culture, not church culture in general. If you're still part of a church culture in that context, what do you want to see happen? Get in touch with that vision in you. Uh, what's, you know, where, where do you think God is actually moving? What do you really want to see happen in the lives of the people around you? And then the second question always ends up being like, what kind of power do you have? And that's a relationship question. Like who are you, who are you in relationship with? in order to make the moves you want to make because your next steps are going to be, you know, going to require you having relationships. So what do you want to see happen? And uh, who's going to go with you to make that work? So follow-up question. What does that look like in discipleship? When we're shoulder to shoulder with other people, when we're trying to steward the, the lives of the, the people in our community, things like that, instead of the introspective, self-reflective work that we do need to do, as you're saying, what does it look like as we're mentoring and discipling other people? Um, it looks like being really open. This is, this is one of the big risks, right? It looks like being really open and honest about our, uh, not just our critiques and our disappointments. That can be difficult, but the hardest thing uh, in this space when it comes to discipleship is actually talk about what it is we're seeing, we're wanting, and desiring. That's that's going to be the hardest part for a lot of us. Is uh, it's one thing it is one thing to make the critique, and folks can generally hear the critique, but to actually lead and say in discipleship and say this is where I would really like to go is the big risk because then the people near you get to say no. Uh, that's the hardest part. Uh, and that's the, that is also the biggest step. Um, it's really clear at this point. I mean, is it not? It's really clear at this point that there's a lot broken about Western white American uh, Christianity, a lot. What's not entirely clear is where, where people are supposed to go from here. Uh, and I will say it out loud. It's because just not enough of us, not enough of us have had the courage, 
and the wherewithal to say, I would like to go here. Because what we think, what I think, I'll say like, what I think is I'm supposed to get it right. I'm supposed to have a trajectory and say like, this is what is next. What is next looks like this. There's supposed to be a plan. I'm supposed to hear it as if like the heavens are going to download a schematic for church 2026. But that's not the moment we're in. The moment we're in is literally the divine saying, what's in you? What do you want? You are next. Make some decisions and leave. You're what's next. So the fearful part of saying, what is it you want to see? What do you, what do you care about? What do you want to see happen? In discipleship, can I communicate that in courage to people and say, this is what I really, really want to do. I actually really want to do this. And then like the big risk of like, will people follow you? Which is how the, how the life and ministry of Jesus begins. He went to folks and said, follow me. He didn't say, here's the plan. He didn't freaking say, here's the plan. He never said it. He never said, this is how it's going to go. He never said that we're going to go feed people. He never said we're going to go heal people. He never said we're going to go teach places. I've got, I have all of these synagogues on my tour plan. I, like he literally said, come follow me as a person. In this moment, what you want and where you want to go is the ball game if you're a leader. Can you go to people and say, this is what I'm wanting to do. Will you go with me? And then invite folks into your process. It's genius. It's just Christ. It's just, it's just what he does. It's like his thing. Yeah. And, and I think we'd probably be better off if we started doing that instead of trying to hold on to the power. These are great thoughts, man. I've really appreciated it and, and enjoyed the conversation. You have a new book out. Tell yeah. us all about it. Is what you make it. Uh, so um, it's, a, it's, like, it's 15, 16 uh, stories of me doing what I'm talking about, of like paying attention to what it is that I'm really wanting uh, to see happen next uh, and taking the, the necessary risks in order to make that happen. It begins uh, with a story from high school um, when my, uh, my speech teacher stopped me in the middle of a joke because I was cracking wines. I got in trouble in speech class for talking, which is quite an accomplishment. And um, he called me up in front of the class and he walked over to the side of the classroom and he pulled out this like great big uh, inflatable cactus. It, was, it looked just like this. It's a little clay one that my son made for me. And he took this inflated cactus and he set it down next to me and he said, okay, Mr. McRoberts, uh, the floor is yours for five minutes. You like to entertain people? Go for it. And now like I had a, like, I had a my moment to do something instead of stealing someone else's, which is a very different experience. It's much easier to steal someone else's moment than it is to make your own. Um, and I, I froze for a minute. Mr. Ross sat down at my desk and uh, I waited for, I don't know how long until some kid in the class said, oh, come on, man, just pretend like you're in the desert. It's just a cactus. Which is when Mr. Ross said, no, it's not. It's whatever you make of it because it wasn't a cactus. It was a piece of plastic filled with like, you know, English teacher gross breath. Like it's like, so for the next, for the last two minutes, it was like a, it was a space alien and it was a rocket ship and a long lost friend and a rifle. It was what I made of it. Um, that notion that the thing, the circumstances we come across, that reality, that narrative, that the things were handed, whether there are talents, our gifts, whether there are traumas and our injuries, um, 
our wealth or our poverty, it's almost always a question of what happens with what we're handed. Uh, it's all, maybe not almost always, it probably almost always is. Like it just is, no matter what we make of it. I get stuck when I think things are what they are. Um, I am set free when I realize I've been given these things with the, with the, the sort of instruction on the call to act like I have divine origins in me and to make what I, ha- make what I can with what I have. That's what the book is about. And it's for this moment so for this moment and we can't recommend it enough uh, dude thank you. thank you so much for being on the show how can people find you online if they want to follow up so just my name justin mcroberts you can find me at my website sometimes uh just justmcroberts.com i'm on instagram quite a bit sometimes on twitter a little bit on facebook but if you search my name you'll find me the podcast and all my online resources we'll throw it in the show notes dude but again okay. third time has been the charm thank you for being on <laughs> my pleasure And that wraps up this episode of Dismantle Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to check out episode 200 airing next week. You won't want to miss it. In the meantime, you can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at DismantlePod. You can support the work of the podcast by going to patreon.com slash dismantlepod or shoot us an email at dismantlepod at gmail.com. And until next time, don't complain about the things you're not willing to change. 